1: Hello and welcome to Fifth Admission, I'm Dominic Fracasa. In October of 2018, just a few months after she took office, Mayor London Breed made a bold promise. To confront the growing desperation of San Francisco's homelessness crisis, she would add a thousand new shelter beds to the city's existing stock by 2021. By January 2020, she was on pace to meet or even exceed that target. But you know what happened next. The pandemic hit forcing San Francisco to empty out its shelters and recast its broader homelessness response. For now, Breed's hopes for the thousand-bed goal have been dashed. It's a fitting moment to examine the state of San Francisco's street homelessness response, and here to help us do that is Chronicle City Hall reporter Trisha Tadani. Hi, Tricia. Hey. So I take it that... The simple answer to the question of why the mayor has fallen short here on this goal is, you know, the coronavirus, right? But I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what happened to the city's shelter system once the pandemic hit, really in earnest um, earlier this year. How was the city forced to adapt and, and how was it in the early going? Kind of set the scene for us, if you would.
2: Yeah, yeah. So when looking at this, um, you know, the mayor had a goal of a thousand shelter beds and she didn't meet it. It's easy to look at that at face ba- value and be like, well, she failed to meet her goal. And that's absolutely not a fair assessment of what happened, just given all of the context of the coronavirus and how it completely upended the city's, um, the city's homelessness response. So, you know, going back to last spring, um, when when the coronavirus first broke out, um, you know, we were seeing cases in these congregate shelters um, and that forced the city to all of a sudden have to have to shut down a lot of these and cut capacity dramatically. And the ones that were still open weren't able to accept new residents. And that completely upended um, the homelessness response system It put more people out on the streets. Um, and so going from there, um, you know, the city very quickly had to scramble to figure out alternative options. And then they ended up um, with things that like previously sounded improbable. So, you know, all of a sudden, the city was able to lease thousands of hotel rooms for the homeless um, and pop up these these sanctioned tent sites um, which are basically um, parking lots where they have they that are allocated for tents and then they have extra services and stuff like that so you know they lost um, they immediately lost sort of the core this core tenant of their homelessness response system of with these shelters but then they were able to quickly um, you know rehash it and open up new things
1: as well so Okay. So the mayor has has missed this goal that she set um, earlier on. So what is she doing now to adjust? I mean, has she set any kind of new goals yet or conveyed any kind of vis- vision for what this sort of you know, post-COVID approach for shelters will look like, if mm-hmm. you will?
2: Yeah. So I think the core of this is that You know, before the pandemic, navigation centers were like the thing that the city was focusing on. Um, Obviously, the mayor had a goal to add a thousand new shelter beds there was legislation on the Board of Supervisors um, by Supervisor Matt Haney where he wanted to open a navigation center in every single district. And it really felt like navigation centers were like the, the main thing that we wanted to spend our money on when it came to just getting people off of, um, getting people off of the streets. Um, I wouldn't say there's, I mean, it's not like the mayor's replacing that thousand bed uh, shelter goal with another like thousand bed shelters. And I think that's because just sort of the nature of sheltering people has completely changed. Um, you know, you can't have a congregate shelter when you're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and even with the congregate shelters that we do have, they've also had to reduce capacity as well. Um, and, you know, talking to Mayor Breed and also Abigail Stewart-Kahn, uh, the interim director of the homelessness department, they there's a increased focus on, on housing and more permanent solutions instead.
1: So I... I wanted, you mentioned the hotels a second ago, Tricia, and, and I wanted just to ask you about the status of the people who were able to get into those hotels. I mean, there was just tremendous pressure from a, you know, in large part, hostile board of supervisors to get Mayor Breed to get more people into those hotels. They saw open hotel rooms and people on the street and said something just doesn't compute here. And we know that it's not quite as easy as it, as it might sound, to, to get people into those rooms but i mean what what happened to those people i mean what is where do those hotels sort of fit into the current sort of covid situation around street homelessness what happened to those people and what is the city's plan for you know eventually uh, getting those people into, into other settings. It's just sort of inconceivable to imagine a scenario where the city says, hey, we have you in this hotel room. It's been great knowing you, but now it's time to go back out onto the streets. That doesn't really seem li- like a tenable option. So what's, where are those people now and, and what's the plan for, their, for them you know, after this pandemic finally relents?
2: yeah so there's still about um, two thousand people in these hotel rooms last I checked um, and you know in the a couple of months ago, Mayor Breed and the homelessness department they made an explicit promise that those who are in the hotels will be given a more permanent, option. Um, and no one will be going out to congregate shelters or to the streets. And obviously that remains to be seen what actually happens. And each case is, is unique and everyone has their own housing challenges. But, you know, they they have been very explicit that those who are in the hotels, we will at least give you another option that is more permanent and more stable. Um, and, you know, life in, the, in large part, those who were able to make it into the hotels, I mean, life was improved dramatically i mean imagine going from living in a tent living in the streets to being all of a sudden being able to have your own door four walls a bathroom a comfortable bed three meals a day security stuff like that um so you know there was obviously a huge there was a big rush by the board of supervisors to open even more of these hotels um than we currently have but uh, they're at the end of the day they're really expensive um fema they're they're about 15 to 18 million dollars a month now fema um it plans to reimburse the city for the majority of that but the challenge here is is that we don't know exactly when that fema funding is going to run out so in the meantime the city is working on basically gradually moving those who are in the hotels into housing but of course housing is really really tight in this city
1: You know, it's always risky for a politician to set a goal so, so precise and definite and one that's easy to recall, right? A thousand beds by 2021 is very, in in a way, catchy, right? I want to ask quickly, does does the mayor suffer any political setbacks because of this, you know, this failing to meet this goal she set out before?
2: Oh, I don't think... I, I don't think she will. I mean, just given the context, it's really hard to look at this knowing all of the context and like I said a- earlier, looking at it and saying that the mayor failed. Um I mean, in January 2020, she was on track to even exceed that goal. Um the things that that ended up happening um, you know, with the pandemic and the construction delays and the staff shortages that had led to um, you know, led to her not being able to achieve this. I would say that that wasn't for lack of trying and that wasn't for lack of political will, um, I would be surprised of this if this kind of put a stain on her time in office.
1: Well, Tricia, stay with us. We're going to take a quick break and come right back to talk more with Chronicle staff writer Tricia Tadani after this.
0: You can support Fifth admission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
1: So, Tricia, I know in the beginning I sort of teed us up for a bit of a disenchanting conversation around the city's homelessness crisis and the pandemic, but I think we'd be remiss to overlook a bit of positive news. There is another navigation center opening up in San Francisco's Bayview neighborhood. Um, It's supposed to open this month, uh, I believe. So, Things haven't totally, you know, fallen off. There is some new, you know, opportunities here to get people off the streets. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this navigation center? And and if you would, just very briefly, just for anyone who might be unfamiliar with that term, you know, talk to us about what, what a navigation center is and what makes that different from, a, from, from the shelter beds we've also been talking about um, the last couple of minutes.
2: So when we talk about shelter beds in San Francisco what we are talking about is these so-called navigation centers. Um and navigation centers are, you know, your your congregate shelter beds with the cots and everything, but what makes them different is that they have extra services. So they have um, you know, they've have, they've have staff members who can help people quote-unquote navigate into housing um there's case managers that can help them with sort of mental health and drug addiction issues and stuff like that so when, when we talk about navigation centers they're basically uh shelters on steroids they're nicer shelters um, and yeah, it was really exciting today on uh, the mayor did a walk through the new Bayview Navigation Center. And, and that's actually that's a really big deal for the neighborhood to have because the Bayview has the second highest um, homeless, homeless concentration in the city right behind the Tenderloin. Um, so it's really exciting that they finally have, you know, this big 200 bed um, navigation center. But of course given covid restrictions and the need for social distancing it will o- only open with 116 beds so that's you know about half capacity than than it should
1: be one other option that has gained a little bit of traction maybe significant traction one could say during the pandemic are these safe sleeping sites sanctioned tent encampments with access to very basic services but do allow for distancing and you know, access to you know, hopefully various medical supplies and and just the the bare bones basics of what people need to survive. Um, they they did take on a slightly different dimension. You know, as a part of the city's response to to the pandemic and the homelessness crisis. So the city, I remember months ago, they identified you know a, a few dozen, I think more than forty sites on public parcels where they could go. I mean, are those expected to be? an enduring part of the city's homelessness response as well? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, people really like the safe sleeping sites. And when I was talking to Mayor Breed earlier, she even, you know, mentioned the safe sleeping sites as something that she would like to see continue even after after the pandemic hopefully eventually subsides. Um, You know, the thing about safe sleeping sites, they, yes, they are, you know, At its core, they're empty lots where you can put tents more than six feet apart, um, and have security. But what they offer people that you don't get from a congregate shelter like a navigation center is you actually get you get privacy. I mean, you have your own tent, you have a door, you have a place that you can, um, that you can store your stuff stuff and know if you leave, um, you'll be safe. And you know, it also has the added benefit of having social workers there that can that can help you as well.
1: I just want to close on this. Trisha I, I want to kind of zoom out of the picture all the way and as we talk about navigation centers and shelters and safe sleeping sites I mean these are all temporary solutions mm-hmm. right I mean they're they're critical and and the city again and again anyone who is working directly or indirectly with homelessness in San Francisco will tell you that that is an opportunity shelters navigation centers etc they're an opportunity to say okay how can we help you navigate, right, to, mm. like you said before, to a more permanent, stable housing solution? How do we end homelessness for you uh, uh, one way or another, given your your personal situation? But, but shelters don't end homelessness on their own. And I, I guess I just wanted to have you talk a little bit about, like, th- there's no question that there are critical parts of it. But I mean, w- you mentioned before, I mean, the mayor is still committed to these more permanent housing solutions. Is there anything that we can look forward to in 2021 or any sort of vision that the mayor has articulated so far uh, about what's going to happen in that regard around either permanent supportive housing or other ways to, to to end things permanently rather than just to kind of be one more one more station, you know, in a person's dealing with homelessness in San Francisco.
2: Yeah, a couple months ago, the mayor put out a pretty massive plan called the Homelessness Recovery Plan. Um, we're in it um, among several commitments that she made um, to you know adding more to the city's housing stock. Um, the most concrete one was uh, adding 1,500 units of permanent, new units of permanent supportive housing. Um, if she within the next two years, um, if she achieves that, that would be like the city's biggest expansion of its permanent supportive housing stock in some 20 years. So that would be a really big deal, given all of the budget constraints that we. We are now facing, though, that might prove to be a pretty big challenge for the city.
1: Trisha, thank you so much for the time today. And thanks for your critical reporting on this issue.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Our thanks once again to Tricia Tadani for talking to us today, to Karen Creighton for producing this episode. And of course, thanks to you for listening. I'm Dominic Vercassa We'll see you next time.